We've been talking already this morning about the presence of God. And that was, that was basically what I was going to talk about is his presence is everything. In his presence, Acts 17, 28 uh, says this, for in him we live and move and have our being. In him, the presence of Christ, we, we live and move and have our being. You can define those words like this. We have life and life to the full. Action happens. You know, it doesn't just, it's not just theory for the rest of our lives. But in him, something happens in him. We move. We have our being. We have our identity. We, we come into being. We're activated. And, and we, are, we find creation in him. In his presence, we have life. Action, identity, activation, and creation. Golly, we could sit on that for a long time and just listen to that. Moses said this, Exodus 33, 13 through 15. He said, now therefore I pray thee, Moses talking to God, if I have found, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight. And Consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, and he said, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. In his presence is rest, is peace. Many times we don't have the peace that we need because we're truly not walking in his presence. We're not walking in that place. Sometimes people will say like, you know, and even say like, you're not hardly bothered by anything. And even if I am bothered, I know that there's going to be a solution to it. Or I know that the Lord's going to come through and they're like, you're just at peace. You see things with rosy glasses. It's just because I know that in him I have rest. It's already handled. We can all walk like that. It's what we have through Jesus. Moses said to him, I love this. If thy presence go not with me. Carry us not up hence. In other words, don't take us anywhere. If, I, if your presence can't go with us, I don't want to go. I need your presence. We need to be addicted to the presence of God. We need to be addicted to it. Moments like that, we need to be addicted to that. The presence of the Lord. You know, and, and I'll tell you, the, your, your traditional church in America, they're, they're going to get really bored with something like that because they're not addicted to the presence of God. Come on. They're not addicted to it. They're, they don't understand how to get into his presence nor how to stay there. They just want God to touch them and, and never do anything you know, for God. Never minister to the Lord. And it's not all about ministering to the Lord, but what it is about is putting him in his ways first. And as soon as it gets out of our ways, people want to exit stage left because that's not comfortable to me. I don't understand it. Instead of saying, Lord, if that's you, I want all of it. Amen. I want all of it. And all of a sudden the Lord can touch his people. Moses said it like this. If you don't go with me, I don't want to go. Yeah. I don't want to go. Acts 4.13 here were the disciples, they were, on, they were on trial and it says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John, they understood that Peter and John were uneducated and untrained men. 
They didn't have education. They didn't have degrees on their wall. Yet something happened. They were amazed. And they began to recognize them as being with Jesus. The presence of God marks us. It lifts us. In Exodus 33, you have this place where Moses says, show me your glory. And the presence of God comes down. And all of a sudden, Moses doesn't even realize that he comes off the mountain having been in the face of God and in his presence. And his face shone like the sun. So much so that the people start putting it in reverse. They're like, you know, just backing up. Because they didn't know what to think because the glory of God had gotten on him. He had been in the presence. His presence marks us. His presence empowers us. Moses heads to the burning bush and here God shows up in the burning bush and he starts talking to him. And all of a sudden Moses is now empowered to go set an entire nation free Where they were in slavery. Empowered by the presence of God. His presence is everything. In him we have life, action, identity, activation, creation. His presence marks us. His presence empowers us. To do what we're called to do. And then let's look at Psalms 100 and verse 4. Psalms 100 and verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Lord, we thank you. Thank you. We thank you. Oh, Lord. We praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Oh, Lord. You are holy, 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 oh Lord. What are we doing? We're entering his gates. We're entering his courts. We're blessing his name. You, Lord, your name is holy. With thanksgiving, we move closer to his presence. This is, this is the thing that I wanted to point out. If you can imagine, you know, the temple, but just, I'll just put it like this, like an inner circle where the Holy of Holies with God. And then the next ring is the, the holy place. And the next, that's his, his courts and his, you know, his courts and then the holy place and then the Holy of Holies. You enter the gates into the courts and then by praise you enter into the holy place and then by worship you stay in that holy place you live a life of worship you stay in the holy of holies but i know this that without thanksgiving we don't even come close to his presence you can't even get close to him in his presence is empowerment it marks us it activates us it gives us life but you don't even get close to his presence without thanksgiving come on Without thanksgiving. Are we thankful enough? With that in mind. Are we thankful enough? We don't even enter his courts. 
Come on. Without thanksgiving. There's a, I was reading this verse and I just want to, it's been sticking out to me all week. I think it's for more than a couple of people here. And I know it's really for all of us, but I think it'll really stick out to at least a couple of people. Nehemiah 8.10. We all know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. For the most part, we've heard that at some place. The joy of the Lord is our strength. But you need to read this whole verse where that comes from. It says this, then he said to him, go eat the fat, drink of the sweet. In other words, he's saying, enjoy life. Enjoy life. He's saying, don't walk around miserable. I can't ever have you know that. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and I was talking about some future fasting. And he said, remember, Brian, that it's right to have a feast as well. It's just as right to have a feast as it is to fast at the proper time. A lot of people, they're walking around and they're letting life beat them up and they're not eating the fat and they're not drinking the sweet. And we're supposed to be walking around in the joy of the Lord. And it's not that there's not a time for fasting. There is at the beginning of the year. We're going to have that period of fasting. It's going to be awesome. But there's also a time and, and that we're supposed to walk at, around in the presence of God. And his presence brings the sweet. His presence is good news. His presence brings the fat. In other words, if you had the fat, you know, a lot of times you look at the old paintings and everything. And we look at them, we're like, man, they were overweight, you know, in the like the old Renaissance painting, stuff like that. That just meant they were wealthy. That meant that they had money because they were eating the fat. In other words, they were prosperous. Right. Come on. Come on. They were prosperous. Maybe I've been prosperous too many times. Amen. <laughs> we need we need to work on that. But there's a time for us to be in the feast of God. And that's all the time. But he goes on and he says this. He says, send portions to him who has nothing prepared. In, in other words, out of your overflow, give to someone else. But then he says, for this day is holy to our Lord. And then he says this, do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. A lot of people want the strength of God and, and you start to see that on this side is the joy of the Lord and it is our strength. And over here is grieved and sorrowful. The King James says, don't be sorry. Don't be sorrowful. And the world will teach us, well, you have all this stuff going on and all this junk and all this mess and they shouldn't have done that and they shouldn't have done this. And so what we will do a lot of times is we'll say, yeah, it's so bad. And we'll step over into the place of grieving, not realizing that we just fell into the devil's plan to get us away from strength because he got us away from joy. You know, and sometimes we, we have some stuff happen and it seems major and it seems big. But you have the word of the Lord that should supersede what the world has taught you. What society has taught you is to be grieved and that be, be sorrowful because you have a right to grieve. You have a right to be sorrowful. But yet you have the Lord saying, don't be grieved. Why? Because the joy 
of the Lord is your strength. This is the devil's way to get you into being weak so that he can trample on you. And we have to say, this is what I'm saying. There's a connection here to thankfulness. Because if we're sitting in that, in that situation where it looks like it's bad, but we don't set our eyes of thankfulness on God, we don't even step into the courts and into the place where the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the, in the greatest hard times, in the worst of the hard times, the biggest hard times, we can look at the Lord and say, Lord, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for what you've done. I thank you, Lord, that I don't have to go to hell. I thank you, Lord. I am breathing still. Praise God. I thank you. We can find something to give thankful for. And what I said earlier is I know that we can't even come close to the presence of God without thankfulness. We ought to become masters of thankfulness. Thankfulness ought to come easy to us. Lord, I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lord. We ought to become masters of thankfulness. Lord, today we choose to be a thankful people. We choose to be a thankful people. I want to read you something and then I want us to read Psalms 100 together and then we'll eat. Glory to God. Can we get thankful for that? Let me read this to you. On Thanksgiving Day, as we have for nearly four centuries... Americans give thanks to Almighty God for our abundant blessings. We gather with the people we love to show gratitude for our freedom, for our friends and families, and for the prosperous nation we call home. In July 1620, more than 100 pilgrims boarded the Mayflower, fleeing religious, religious persecution and seeking freedom and opportunities in a new and unfamiliar place. These dauntless souls arrived in Plymouth, Massachusetts in the freezing cold of December 1620. They were greeted by sickness and severe weather and quickly lost 46 of their fellow travelers. Those that endured the incredible hardship of their first year in America, however, had reasons for gratitude. Just think about that. 46% of them instantly gone. And yet they found a place of thankfulness. They had many reasons for gratitude. They had survived. They were free. And with the help of the Wampanoag tribe, I hope I said that right, and a bountiful harvest, they were regaining their health and strength. In thanks to God for these blessings, the new governor of Plymouth Colony, William Bradford, proclaimed a day of thanksgiving and gathered with the tribe for three days of celebration. For the next two centuries, many individuals, colonies, and states, primarily in the Northeast, carried on the tradition of fall Thanksgiving festivities. But each state celebrated it on a different day and sometime on an occasional basis. It was not until 1863 that the holiday was celebrated on one day nationwide. 
In the aftermath of the Battle of Gettysburg, one of the bloodiest battles of our nation's Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed that the country would set aside one day to remember its many blessings. In the midst, he quoted, in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, President Lincoln proclaimed, we recall the bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. As President Lincoln recognized, no human counsel hath devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, have nevertheless remembered mercy. Today we continue to celebrate Thanksgiving with a grateful and charitable spirit. When we have opened our hearts and extend our heart, our hands to those in need, we show humility for the bountiful gifts we have received. In the aftermath of the succession of tragedies that have stunned and shocked our nations, Hurricanes Harvey, Irma, and Maria, the wildfires that raged in the West, and the horrific acts of violence and terror in Las Vegas, New York City, and Sutherland Springs, we have witnessed the generous nature of the American people. In the midst of heartache and turmoil, we are grateful for the swift action of the first responders, law enforcement, law enforcement personnel, military and medical professionals, volunteers, and everyday heroes who embodied, who embodied our infinite capacity to extend compassion and humanity to our fellow man. As we mourn these painful events, we are ever confident that the perseverance and the optimism of the American people will prevail. We can see in the courageous pilgrims who stood on Plymouth Rock in New Land the intrepidness that lies at the core of our American spirit. Just as pilgrims did, today Americans stand strong, willing to fight for their families and their futures, to uphold our values and to confront any challenge this Thanksgiving, in addition to rejoicing in precious time spent with loved ones, let us find ways to serve and encourage each other in both word and deed. We also offer a special word of thanks to the brave men and women of our armed forces, many of whom celebrate this holiday separated from the ones for whom they are most thankful. And as one people, we seek God's protection, guidance, and wisdom as we stand humbled by the abundance of our great nation on, and the blessings of freedom, family, and faith. Now, therefore, I, Donald J. Trump, President of the United States of America, by virtue of the authority vested in me by the Constitution of the Law of the United States, do hereby proclaim Thursday, November 23, 2017, as a national day of thanksgiving. I encourage all Americans to gather in homes and places of worships to offer a prayer of thanks to God for our many blessings. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand this 17th day of November in the year of our Lord 2017 and of the independence of the United States of America, the 242nd. Donald J. Trump. Ever since I've been an adult, 
I've longed to read something of that nature which gives thanksgiving to God from a leader of our country. That in itself is worthy of thanks. But I think no matter where you stand on the political scale, we can say that if the pilgrims could find a place of thanks on that day, and if the nation and the country could find a place in the middle of a civil war and say, Lord, we recognize it's your mercy and it's your grace and we give you thanks. Father, we can give you thanks today. If they can do that then, we can continue the will of God to give thanks in every circumstance. Not step into sorrow, not step into being grieved, but to step into the place of the joy of the Lord so that we might be strengthened and be the light that he's called us to be. Father, we recognize your, your bounties. We recognize your hand and your blessing on this country. Even the people in this country that we call poor, are at the least middle class in most countries around the world. Father, we are so blessed. And while the devil seeks to have us focus on the things that are going wrong, we just make a conscious decision to focus on the things that you have done right. We make a conscious decision to be thankful for your great mercy, which has saved us. Through the corruption of man's fall, many things have come to a place that sometimes we don't even recognize, but sometimes they pain us. They've fallen to a place where it's so easy to step into sorrow. It's so easy to step into the place of being grieved. But yet, according to your word, Lord, we make a declaration and a proclamation. We make a decision here today that we will be the people that follow your command, that follow your will, and we will be thankful. Amen. We will enter into your courts. We will pray into the holy place, Lord, and we will worship and be in your presence. And we will become carriers of your presence every day so that the power of God might shine its light throughout America and throughout this whole world. Lord, we are your people and we are thankful. We are thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. As we wrap up, let's, let's uh, read this hundredth psalm. It's on your handouts there, but let's stand up and let's read it together and let's read it like we like we feel it in Amen. Jesus name. <laughs> Psalms 100 and verse one, a psalm of thanksgiving. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Glory to God. Just give him a shout of praise right now. Father, we praise you and we worship you. Thank you, Lord. We will choose to be thankful and to enter your joy. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. 
His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Father, as your people, we receive your loving kindness and your faithfulness. For the rest of our time, we praise you. We love you. And Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your son. Jesus, thank you for giving your life, for being our Lord and our Savior, our King. Holy Spirit, thank you for comforting us, guiding us, teaching us, and leading us into all truth. Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lead that real quick. Just run right there. Father, we praise you and we worship you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Mr. Chris, I think they're about ready.